Welcome to Divine Downloads. I'm your host, Cassandra Bodzak, and today's episode is all about the journey to self-love. Before we start today's episode, I want to make sure that you know that my new book, Manifesting Through Meditation, 100 Guided Practices to Harness the Power of Your Thoughts and Create the Life You Want, is now available wherever books are sold. It's the number one new release on Amazon, and I hope you'll take some time to pick it up. This book goes through my four-step manifesting process and has a hundred powerful meditations to help you divinely design your life. And if you've already gotten it, please take a moment and leave me an Amazon review. It means the world to me, and it really helps the book be seen by other people out there that are on this spiritual journey right with us. So I am super excited to have Marla Goldberg on the show today. She is a world-renowned energy healer. She is a self-love expert, and I personally love the name of her book, which is my effing long journey to self-love, or to loving myself, rather. Um, Marla, I, I think you're in the perfect place. Welcome to the show. I think you have lots of, of people here that are eager to hear about your journey to self-love. And to hear you, you actually, I was fascinated to learn that you know over 24 energy healing techniques. Yeah, and I just um, I just got certified as a master metaphysician from Delphi University. So in that certification, I would kick that one now up to over thirty, because of all the techniques uh, that I've learned in addition to what I've learned. Wow. Okay. So, well, I definitely <laughs> I definitely want to learn about some of those techniques today, but maybe we should start out at the beginning where, okay. you know, what was the inspiration for this journey? What was the inspiration for you to become this energy healer, this master metaphysician and, and expert, I would say, on, on helping people love themselves? Well, first of all, it wasn't a game plan. I never, ever thought that I would be down this road. I was a serial entrepreneur. I had an event management company. I started a candy manufacturing business. I... I had a pet taxi during my divorce, so I schlepped pets from here to there, uh, a bakery. So the last thing I thought I would do would be metaphysics. I, I started going at 14. To, I had my first reading at 14. I was like, oh, that is so cool. But I never thought I would be giving readings. I would do this kind of work. But as a lot of people who you find in this industry, they've hit, they hit rock bottom in some form or another. And... The only way out is going down a spiritual path, whether it's through receiving energy work, learning energy work, um, it, you just go down the path. And I'm one of those where I was in, my first marriage was, was hellacious and it was abusive mentally, emotionally, not physically, but sometimes physical might be better because those heal where the emotional and mental are much harder to clear up. And I ended up going to a woman's conference and a woman, just to listen to this one woman talk about how to heal yourself. And I thought, I need to learn how to do this because nothing's working. Nothing. You know, everybody says you go to talk therapy, you change yourself and everything around you changes. Well, that wasn't my case. I had been going to talk therapy and yes, you can vent, but it didn't change my situation. It didn't change what was going on. I mean, I was trying to change, but the rest didn't fall into place. So I 
went to um, his conference, listened to this woman speak. And you know how a lot of conferences, they start out by asking questions. How many out there feel this way? How many out there? And my hand was up the entire time and I thought like it was gonna fall off. And then she started talking and I wasn't quite wrapping my mind around what she was saying, but there was a little voice inside that said, pay attention because nothing else is working. So when she had a one day informational, the voice said, sign up, nothing else is working. Then I signed up and she goes, who's gonna sign up for my basic? And out of the, I mean, I didn't think I was gonna do it, but my hand went flying up. It was like someone took my hand and raised it. And I went to the four day basic course and had my first known psychic experience. And I say that because a lot of times when you're in your head, things happen, but you don't realize that you're having a metaphysical experience. You just blow it off. Well, this, there was no blowing this off. It was a true psychic experience, a clairvoyant experience. And I was like blown away, like, oh my God, me. Because I have a friend who kept saying, I, my gut tells me this, my gut tells me that. And she was always right. And I'm like, what's wrong with my gut? Why isn't it working? Why isn't it guiding me anywhere? And so that was very exciting. But I still was having issues wrapping my mind around some concepts. And I was raised Jewish, I will say. Now, and the reason I say that is because there were a lot of the saints that we weren't raised with and the archangels don't have the same names and there was so much that I was unaware of and I didn't understand where Jesus fit in with the whole process and so when I went to the next modular um, one of the teachers had to sit me down and explain because I said I'm not understanding how Jesus fits into all of this and now not only do I know but he's come to me a number of times in um, to comfort me to guide me and so we're like this. <laughs> <laughs> and just like that, Jesus was your homeboy. <laughs> One of them, yeah. I mean, it's Whoa. just, uh, St. Anthony's there with me too all the time because I'm always calling on him. It's like I've got a beeline to St. Anthony. Now, I didn't know who St. Anthony was before I went down my spiritual path, but I've got to tell you, he helps me find things multiple times a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. St. Saint Anthony is like, I joke that he's a patron saint of our family. Between like my mom yeah. and my grandma, we have like St. Anthony things everywhere. Always like, pray to St. Anthony about this. I love that. So I love how it's so true in those moments where we just feel guided. And it's like, we get to that point of desperation where it's like, nothing's working but we know that there must be something out there that could work. And we, you know, trust that we have to trust that even if you weren't realizing, maybe you were trusting your intuition in that moment, like when the hand flew up, right. Or you're like, I just right. have to go to this conference or I'm just going to go to this lady's session or, you know, I don't even understand what she's saying, but I'm signing up for the thing. <laughs> I feel that so strongly. I feel like, you know, so many, you know, so many people work so hard on like marketing and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, when you're, when people are guided to you or you're guided to people, either direction, like it's so much bigger than anything you say, right? It's, it's, it is. it's like it's, an energetic, like magnetism that pulls you in. That's like, okay, Marla, th this is the person that's going to be the first step on your journey, or this is the person that you need to be in front of right now. 
Yeah. And it, and you have to trust, you have to pay attention to the little signs. And if you're in your head all the time, you miss the clues. You totally miss the clues, but I agree with you. And the people that are meant to be in your world, in your sphere will be there. But the other thing that people need to understand, I feel is you have to ask for help because angels and guardians, many of them are not allowed to just butt in, so to speak. You have to ask them. You have to say, I need help with this. Guide me, show me, teach me, whatever it is you want. If you're, you know, if you're on your knees saying, help me, something will come. Oh, I just had an epiphany. Something will come to sort of help you. And, uh, you know, there were many times I was, when as I was saying that, I was vision, uh, a vision of my life went past me where I had, was really down and on my knees so many times and I'd say I need help with this and that and not realizing that the intervention did come from spirit when um, I needed the help the most and something showed up for me but again the point is asking exactly and it's it's often that that's why we we have these we associate these like kind of bottom moments right with having that something move and something and what really happens is it's just our human needs to get to that bottom to actually ask for the help, right? Whereas we can rewrite that paradigm and say, you get to ask for help. I try to encourage everyone like, ask for help every day. I had a a friend that's like an angel channel and I spoke at a conference with her a couple years ago and like, I will never forget this. One of the favorite things she said, like at the end of her little talk, she was like, give your angels homework every night every night like give them some things to do and it's such a good practice right to get into that practice of constantly inviting inviting that divine help in right absolutely and she it's it's such a beautiful way to end the conference to remind people you you're not going to get the help you're not going to get the intervention unless you ask for it so by giving them homework they've got something to do keeps them busy keeps them engaged with you and on the other side, you're manifesting. And what would you say to someone that's listening that's maybe like, okay, well, I don't, I don't know about St. Anthony or I don't know about all the different angels yet. What's a good place for them to start asking for that help if maybe they don't know specifically who their squad is or the people that they're um, connected to that way? Well, there's, look, you don't even have to buy a book. You can go online and you can say, tell me who the top 10 archangels are, or tell me who, what angels do what. And they, you will find a lot of websites where it will list the angels and what they're in charge of. I know I keep doing the quotes, but <laughs> it, it is, it's what, you know, it's like saying, you know, Archangel Michael is, is the warrior and he's the protector and, and he has so many roles and Raphael is about healing. And so you've, you've got Shemuel is about, he, Archangel Shemuel is also about helping to find lost items. So you, can, so you just have to, to find out or say, who is the angel for? Um, in Google, who is the angel for um, helping me to get a new job? And you will get a list of a number of angels that come up and you just have to feel into it and see who resonates with you. And then talk to that angel. Yeah. And you don't, you know, they have these formal prayers, which I was never raised with. So I just say, please help me. I need this. Please help, you know, intervene this way, whatever it might be. You know, you don't have it to be fancy or formal. 
I love that. Yeah. It's like, just do it. Just go for it. And I always just say, like, even if you just say, you know, my guardian angels or any angels available willing to help me with this, right? You can keep it that general and there you will get that assistance. Um, There, like you said, it's not as complicated sometimes as we try to make it in our head. Right. Well, you, you know, and, and, this, and I'm talking for me, right? so I, I put myself in the place of other people where, again, not being raised with some of these very beautiful prayers that many people who are, are, have been involved with going to church and religion learn from the course of childhood, I, I don't have those in my back pocket. So I just speak to the angels as I would speak to you or anybody else. And you know, when requesting something, I always say please and thank you. And um, yeah, because I do believe that you need to be polite to your angels. You you know, you don't demand, but you can't command. But I still would put a please and thank you in there. I like it. I like it. You can command, <laughs> command, but don't demand. Um, yeah. What what would you say? Other than talking to your angels and getting involved in that, were some of the first kind of tools or modalities or things that you learned on that early part of your self-love journey that really helped you make some big strides or have some kind of epiphanies? In that first school that I went to, there was a mystery school. So mystery schools back in the day, they were called mystery schools because you had to do them in hiding. And I learned 14 different modalities, but just as important as learning them, I had to practice them. So in between each, each, um, five-day intensive that I would go to every, you know, for three years, three a year for three years, so nine, um, I learned a total of 14 different modalities, but more important is through learning through the other people that I was, I was in school with, that I was developing relationships with. I'm a big questioner. I'm a big person who, you know, who's constantly going, why, 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 why? I'm like a parrot, you know, wanting to, because I want to understand. I want to like take everything in. And finally, a friend of mine said, Marla, stop asking why and just accept what it is, where it is at the moment and stop trying to figure it out and allow things to just unfold. Mm. And that was, a, you know, it doesn't sound like a big thing, but for me it was a big thing because I had to learn to let go. It was a part of my need to control and to understand so I could maneuver. And it's, it was sort of like letting a feather go in the wind or a balloon go in the wind and it just floated away. It was like, wow, that was very freeing. It was very liberating for me. Yeah. To just let go of the need to question and to be able to, because so much I think of the, our connection with the spirit world or, or different things we do metaphysically, it's hard to wrap our head around and trying so hard to wrap your head around it. Well, I think is, could be possible it also takes you out of that faith right it takes you out of that kind of belief and it takes you away from your intuition right because it's kind of like can you just gauge like oh does this feel right right and then could that be enough right and you can't do do it if you're trying to control the situation and that's the big thing is you just can't you can't allow spirit to talk through you or have you feel what's going on if you're not open to it, and if your mind is thinking about, how do I do this? How do I maneuver this? How do I, well, then you can't be open because your wheels are just constantly turning. And that's where meditation comes in. And that's how meditation becomes such a helpful tool to open your, 
all stuff up to hearing or receiving spirit, grounding yourself, you know, helping yourself if you're going through anxiety or depression, helping yourself through those issues. You don't have to suffer with those issues. You can breathe slowly. You can close your eyes, put both feet on the floor and just slowly breathe in and slowly breathe out and just count, you know, and, and have something rhythmic happening. So you can count in for six, hold for four, release for eight, and just keep counting that. And it will just help you in so many areas. If you're in pain, it can help with pain alleviation. So I'm a huge advocate for meditation and for breathing exercises. Yes, yes, as am I, as am I. My listeners know I'm always saying, everyone tries to skip the meditation part of it. <laughs> but I'm like, the meditation is where so much of the magic and so much of the power is. You really, you can't skip it. Um, it's really so vital to having these connections. And like you said, to receiving those messages and to getting yourself beyond yourself in a way, right? Right. <laughs> so, That's so true. <laughs> with, with the control aspect, because I feel like this is something that's so insidious in just like our culture these days, is this like desire to control, to control outcomes, to control how we show up for, you know, con to control our success, to control how our relationships go, to control our body, right? What are the things that you would you know, would tell someone that was, let's say, I'm trying to think of a more specific example to give you something to work with. Let's say someone is trying to control the trajectory of their career and like hyper in their head and like hyper planning about it and all of that. What, what kind of techniques or advice would you give them to, to be able to fully like step back, let go and take their hands off the wheel a little bit in that area? Well, I would tell them to step back and let go. And the reason I want to, I want to address something because I really fully feel that the reason there's so many people needing to control everything is based on the wounds that they carry. And so how do you assure yourself that you're not going to get hurt again, which isn't the case really, it's just a fallacy, but by trying to grab control and control the, like you said, the trajectory of a job or a relationship or the way your body is and, and instead of allowing things to go because it's the natural flow of it. But going back to the, the career path, um, I think you need to sometimes just, like you said, sit back and, and, and observe what's going on and allow yourself to figure out, this. you need the space to be able to figure out what's going on and how to maneuver things. If you're having conflicts, um, if you don't know conflict resolution, then talk to somebody. I would go and, and invest in yourself and talk to somebody who is who's very strong in their ability to help guide somebody on conflict resolution. So they learn how to talk to their supervisor, manager, boss, whatever you want to call them, in a way that you're going to be able to get through and be heard. But you also need to be receptive to what they're going to say because they might need to give you some constructive criticism because you might think you're doing everything right, but they might not be agreeing with you. And in your in your need to try to, you know, maneuver and and that even goes for the the competition, you know, trying to step on someone to get where you're going. Well, I don't believe in doing that because I believe that there's a karma return karmic return in that. If you're going to step on someone and do something to somebody. Well, you know, you pay the price at some point 
whether it's in this body, on the other side, or you get into a situation in a reincarnated life in the future where now you're the person being stepped on and you don't know why, and you don't know why the relationship is so bad. So my feeling is, is don't look at everything as competition. Let's look at it as collaboration. And it takes the pressure off of, you know, needing to step on people to get where you want to go. Yeah. And I think also with, with the letting go comes that ability to tap into your own guidance. And I think when we're all tapping into our own guidance, there really isn't any competition because we're not all directed to do the same things or in the same ways. Um, and so it be can become really apparent what's right for you when you let go of kind of like the structure of what you think you need to do, right? Or what we think the world needs us to do, right? In yes. that moment. Um, and so what are some of the other, you know, on your journey to loving yourself? Because I feel like it's so funny. I have a, I work with a lot of one-on-one -on -one clients for spiritual mentorship as well. And I feel like I always get the question like, gosh, is this journey ever over? <laughs> and I no. love, and I'm like, no, no, no. But, but there are, like you were mentioning with the, the meditation and one of the things that I really love, um, and I advocate for is that we build up a toolbox, right? We build up a toolbox and, and then when things come up, we can like open up that toolbox and say, okay, what do I need today? Is it a meditation today? Great. Is it this energy healing technique? Great. You know, and that's kind of like a day by day self-love journey. So what are your like favorite tools or most transformational tools in that toolbox that you really felt you know, either made a shift like while you were going through your journey or something that you find yourself continually coming back to as like, uh, you know, a, a good one. <laughs> First of all, I want to go back to what you were saying because I just read something, I think it was yesterday or today, about um, each lifetime and how we come back and we have the, the similar lifetimes that we did before over and over and over again. But hopefully, if we're aware and we put in the effort, we start working through our stuff so that each time we get it faster and faster and faster. And pretty soon, all those lessons that you needed to work through, all those wounds, the healing you needed to get, you get. And then you move to another lifetime or so series of lifetimes where you, and I'm paraphrasing this whole thing. And so know that there, this is a journey. The journey has no end point. Even when your body you die and you're or transition and you lose this shell of a body, your spirit stays and it goes on. And it's just, this is just a pit stop, you know, where you're experiencing all these, as they call it, earth school, you know, these physical changes, you know, when they say growing old isn't for the weak, you know, it's, it's, it's a big change. It's different. And I laugh about it all the time because obviously our age difference is, you know, when I, I remember when I was your age and, and how idealistic and everything I was and how, where I am today. And, but the reality of it is, is it'll continue the next life I have. So I did want to address that because I thought that was really important. And, and then, and just, I think that is really important. And I think that's also why, at least in my, my theory on that and feel free to push back. I'm open. Um, is that that's why some of these patternings feel so familiar to us and feel so comfortable to us. And just because they feel familiar and comfortable doesn't mean that they're good for us. 
right? Right. It's because we've already just had a lot of experience in that. And I love astrology. I don't know if you do, but I always like looking at someone's south node um, to be able to see like what, what's kind of the, you know, I have like Libra in my south node. So I, I've always like had, you know, been good at relationships, been like a peacemaker. I have like a lot of experience in that, but then you can also look at that and say, okay, well, had a lot of past lives where maybe that being in that area, like has not been beneficial. Right. Right. Um, so what kind of past life work do you advise people to do? And my question with this is actually because I've had personally one of the first things during my spiritual awakening when you it reminded me kind of like you said you had your like psychic moment it was kind of like you're right. like whoa mine was like a past life flashback moment when I had my spiritual awakening and I started having these you know just past life flashbacks and um I've always been curious how you know how beneficial do you feel going back to past lives or doing work with past lives is versus how often versus how much do we just like should be here and now and focused on this life? So I I one of my new tools is past life regression. And so this is what I've learned. And I think when you want to go into the past life, if it's just for a curiosity, you know, like um, parlor game kind of thing, no, absolutely not. That is not beneficial whatsoever. Oh, so I was um, Joan of Arc in a past life. Or the, but that doesn't help you to heal, to move on. And this is a, a technique to help you to look back at what went on in your life so that you could see the parallels between that life and what you may be going through in this current life and how you might be able to heal the wound. So this gets settled and this life you don't have to do it again moving forward. So past life regression, I think is powerful if it's done right for the right reasons. Again, if you, it like we go to a psychic fair and you were talking and that, this came to mind, this analogy where you go to like five different psychics in one day, right? And they might be the best psychics in the world, but they're each gonna tell you something different because they're coming at it from a different angle. And past life regression is the same way. But what comes to what comes out is what needs to come out. What, so if I did a past life regression on you, the past life that you got, whether you liked it or not, is not. It, it's not like well, I didn't like that one, or I didn't. No, it's for you to see and learn, so you could take it moving into your life today and how you may. Um, let's say you had a lot of conflict in a past life. Well, in this life, you could see what happened by dealing with your past life your conflict in one way, but now in this life, you could say, oh, I dealt with it this way. It didn't work. Let's try and change things up because, you know, in AA, they have that saying, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, but the results are the same. Well, it's the same thing if you're going into a past life regression and seeing something, but then you see yourself doing it in this lifetime and you don't do anything to change it, heal it, move it on. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, I think some of the most helpful um, things for me with past lives, and I love that you said that, because that's what I, I've always been like a real stickler about that. Because once like my friends found out that I can go into the Akashic Records and kind of, you know, everyone's like, Oh, I want to check it out, you know? Right. Exactly. (laughs) No, no. Um, And, but the times that I have had those experiences, whether they just like, sometimes they just come on during meditation or 
um, at different times in the bath <laughs> um, or, you know, it's always like somewhat inconvenient, but, um, of course or, it is. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh God, that was so dramatic. And I like wake up like in the bath <laughs> and my fiance is like, are you okay? What's going on? <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's been really helpful. I recently had, um, I'm getting married and I was having all of these like fears around getting married and like this, you know, commitment kind of stuff, which I was like, this doesn't feel like me. Like, I don't like, we have a great relationship. Everything's great. Why am I so scared? Like, it felt like my life was going to end by getting married. Right. right. And so of course I, you know, I was, I wasn't even like thinking like going back to past lives about it. I was trying to psychoanalyze myself in this life. And then right. of course a past life just kind of comes up for me. And I see so clearly how I've had multiple past lives where, you know, my, like being married and having a kid was kind of the end of my life and I was muzzled and I was prevented from like doing my work in the world and all of that. And just even seeing it, like you were mentioned, just being able to see that it was like, like the spell of the current life was lifted because it made so much sense to be like, oh, okay, that was then, this is now, like, I'm not living in that time, right? That's right. not what's going on now. And so much of that is, you know, I think us being able to go back to those past lives, especially for those things when we feel like there's something coming up in our lives that we can't, like, figure out or we can't explain. And, that, you know, I think that's when past lives can be really, really helpful. It's true. And for you, I also feel that in some of those past lives, you were a man who was the person who was shutting the woman down treating the woman like a maid or a slave or you know baby maker whatever you want to call it so because we're not always just because we're one sex in one life doesn't mean we're this sex in all our lives mm -hmm. and we're always in past lives we've always been the victims we've also been the perpetrators of whatever's going on so it's never just you know, clear, like I'm a woman and this has happened to me and it's happened to me a number of times. It just so happens the one, the, the lifetimes that showed to you were those that were, you were a female being, you know, selled, squashed, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. my feeling is you're also a male doing that to women. And that is a really huge trigger for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's so fun. And I think it's so, there's a level of healing you can get from that, that you just can't get if you're only working on the surface of this current lifetime. It's so true. I just started using a phrase saying, you know, healing comes from within. You break a bone, you, you, know, you know, and it breaks through your skin. Just because your skin heals, the, the bone isn't necessarily healed you have to wait till the bone heals before you could start walking or running on it whatever it might be or using it in its capacity and it's the same thing with the wounds that we receive whether from a past life we bring forward or from this current life and and what we've had you know we've brought to ourselves because we choose it right in our pre-birth plan we choose all our stuff and so it's just how we work, but healing these wounds within first and knowing that you have to do it from within, just saying, I'm going to be happy. Well, that's great. You might get a glimpse of happiness, but by receiving true happiness is when you start healing, you start healing your wounds, you start healing your heart, you know, and the things that really cause blocks for you and issues for you. 
Ooh, okay. So you just hit something that made, made me like, ooh, I want to get her opinion on this and feel free to just be fully honest. But with what you just said, I'm really curious. Yeah, especially, you know, you just got this, it became a master metaphysician. metaphysician. Um, how do you feel about, let's say, more of like the Abraham Hicks school of thought that's more like keep your vibe high, um, keep, you know, if a subject is, you know, kind of putting you in a funky place, switch the subject to a subject that you can be on the more high flying vibe and, and that kind of school of thought that says the most magnetic thing we can do is be in joy and, you know, focus on that. What's your take on all of that as it pertains I, to like manifesting and high vibration and all that stuff? I agree with it. You can't manifest, you, everything meets you where you are. All right. So if you're vibrating way down here and you want something up here, you're just, it's not going to happen. So either you need to bring yourself up because it's not necessarily going to come down to your level. Um, and let's say maybe that's the job. Maybe you have to be here to get this job and maybe you can raise yourself a little bit higher and the vibration come and you'll find yourself matched. So I believe in that. But realistically, we're human beings. Things happen. They affect us. You know, we get sad, we get hurt. You know, people hurt our feelings. Or, and, you know, that phrase about not allowing, well, sometimes because the wound is still the wound, it's like either pulling off the scab or pressing the bruise. So it, it hurts. And I think sometimes, you know, yes, putting on lively music will make you feel better. It doesn't fix the issue, though. And so, yes, you can raise it, but you also need to understand that brushing things under the rug, what happens is you end up with lumps under the rug. So it makes that pretty uncomfortable too. So the real focus is when you start working on healing yourself, um, you will find everything starts shifting for you. And the shifts may be small and subtle at first, but all of a sudden you, you'll go into going, wow. I'm singing every morning. I just realized every morning I wake up singing. And that's because of how great you're feeling inside because, again, things are, are when the wounds heal, they go away or a layer of them goes away. It's not as deep. It's not as effective. You know, it doesn't hurt as, as deep down inside. And so it, that's how it works. But I believe, look, I love Bashar. I don't know if you know Bashar. No, entity very much like you know Abraham, and he has has got amazing pearls of wisdom on how to li live life. So, for example, um, relationships. You know, people are so afraid to let go of relationships that don't serve them. And Bashar says a relationship is a relationship till it's not a relationship anymore. And I used to take everything so personally and I would be like, oh, my heart, oh, I'm so broken. You know, it just hurts so bad. But all of a sudden that, that saying for me was like the huge epiphany. And I just came to say, you know what? Yeah, people come into our life for a reason, season or a lifetime. And sometimes, you know, you come to the end of the road of the relationship you have. And if you let go in love and let go, not wishing anybody ill, um, as a friend of mine says, and I really like it, the worst thing I'll say to anybody is I wish you an interesting life and they can make it whatever they want. <laughs> I love that. 
And so I do too, and I've adopted it. And it's like, you know, that's what I think. I never wish anybody ill because I don't want that coming back to me. I just wish you an interesting life and, and I, I move on because not everybody is meant to be in our life forever. Mm. And um, you could really, you could take that and expand it to almost everything in your life, right? Absolutely. Like what if we just accepted that the things that are in our life right now, whether it is whatever, whatever it is, like the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever circumstances, whatever is there, it's, you know, it's going to be here until it's not here. Right. That's it. You're where you are for a reason. And I look at it as, and somebody told this to me years ago when I was in my twenties, that you are where you are because of what you need to learn from where you're at. I know that sounds sort of confusing, but, and I had to really pull back and say, you're right. And now I look at everything, I, whether it's positive or I call it perceived negative, I perceive negative for me, you might say, that's not so bad, but somebody else might think of it as a death sentence. That's why it's all perception. But I perceive, so my perception is that, you know, the negative, perceived negative, that everything is an opportunity, a gift, or a lesson or combination. So it's never a straight, oh, this is the end of my world. No, 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 not at all. It is just where you are in the moment. Find out what's in it for you. Do you have something to learn from this situation? Is there an opportunity for you to move into something else because of the situation? Or are you finding a really amazing gift because of it? Maybe it's an epiphany or whatever it might be. And it just makes a huge difference. Yeah, I love that. And for someone that's listening and is thinking like, where do I, where do I begin on this journey? Like, I know that probably the way I'm feeling right now or the fears I have or the blocks I have or the things that aren't working in my life are probably because of some of these wounds that you talked about. How yes. do you discern where to start for the person listening? Well, I always say start where you are. So let's say you're going through anxiety. Um, well, what could the anxiety be from? First of all, you have to, you also have to rule out if it's actually, you know, um, an actual physical short that's going on in your body or your mind. Because anxiety could be, you really, you're, you're running through something like having a, uh, a challenge like bipolar mm. or schizophrenia or something like that. So you want to rule that out. But if you're, you ruled it out and it's just anxiety, then you have to say, okay, what, what are you afraid of moving forward? Because anxiety is being too worried about what's in front of you and not knowing. It's fear, you know, and fear is being concerned about something that hasn't even happened yet. Which I'm Where sure we have probably are at an all-time high right now um, after the pandemic and with everything kind of going back and forth and it feels like things change on a day-to-day -day basis. I feel like we probably have an ep epidemic of anxiety across the world. I think we do too. And so here's an example, I, a true example. This morning, I just came back from Tampa last night to see my brother. And I haven't seen him in years. And I've been home not even 24 hours. And a friend calls me and she's like a sister to me. But almost immediately, the question is, are you going to go get a test for COVID? And I'm like, wait a minute. I haven't even gotten through my first day back yet. <laughs> I'm not running for a test. And I also don't live in fear of COVID. 
I mean, I know some people do and they worry constantly of it. And I bet you they're the ones who, who will be allow themselves to be more susceptible to getting it because I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about getting it. Yeah. Um, if it happens, I'll deal with it. Exactly. Yeah. Excuse me. And I'm of one of these beliefs where don't worry about anything that hasn't happened. You worry about it when it comes, you deal with it when it happens. But if you worry about it before, first of all, you spend so much energy just spinning and spinning and spinning. It's like mental masturbation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And let it go. You know, why worry about something that hasn't happened? And if you think you've been exposed, take the action steps. But I mean, I'm, I'm again, not even home 24 hours. I'm not running out to get a COVID test. I'm, I'm backlogged. I'm yeah. going to get through what I need to get through. And then if I feel I need to do that, then fine. But if nobody around me has gotten sick, there's no need to get a test. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you were saying, because you can apply that whether it's for like COVID or for literally anything in your life, yes. right? Where it's yes. like the friend asking about the COVID test could be your, you know, um, a friend asking about like, I don't know, did you, I, just because I was been planning my wedding this year. So I've had friends asking like constantly, we postponed it once, you know? So yep. they're like, oh, are you going to postpone it? Oh, is it still happening? And I'm like, I don't, I don't want it. Nobody talked to me about it. <laughs> you know, it's like um, allowing one, not allowing like other people's fears or other people's stories, whatever's going on in them to kind of shift your intuition, right? It's like, obviously, if you had got the intuitive hit, you know what, I should get a test because whatever, right? You get the hit, then you do right. it and you'd fit it into your day. Um but I love what you said because that's something where it's like we worry about it double. Anxiety is like being in the suffering of it happening when it hasn't happened. And then right. you, if it did happen, if it does happen, then it has to happen again. Now, do you believe that by that worrying or by that fear that we can call things into our lives? It's called self-fulfilled prophecy. Yes, absolutely. Because you're, you know, what you put out comes back like a boomerang. And so I, you know, I call it the boomerang effect because I always have a saying for something. <laughs> so, but what you put out is going to come back at you tenfold. So why take that energy and put it out there thinking something negative is going to happen? And then when it happens, and I'll give you an example of that. Um, then you're like, oh my God, it happened. So my, my story is, it's, this is 2009. I was living in Memphis. I'm driving to Chicago to see my son and it's a beautiful day. And I'm on the phone with my roommate and hands-free. I'm always hands-free. I'm always safe about it. And all of a sudden I look up and there's a car bearing down on me with no head above the steering wheel. And I'm going 73 miles an hour in a 55. So I'm already speeding. Here's this car bearing down on me. And I keep saying to my roommate, I'm going to get hit. I'm going to get hit. I'm going to get hit. Well, of course, I got hit because there was nowhere to move. It was, you know, two lane high. Well, it was a four lane highway, two in each direction. I'm in the fast lane. I couldn't get over because there was too much traffic. If I went to the left, the shoulder was so narrow, I would have gone into a ditch. And that's an example of a, a self-fulfilled prophecy, even though I couldn't get out of my own way for it. But all of a sudden it stopped and I said, damn it, I've been hit. Like, oh, yeah. it's a big surprise, right? <laughs> I mean, I saw it happening and freaking out about it. 
But that's how self-fulfilled prophecies, prophecies work in, in the way of energy. You, know, you go, oh my God, oh my God, COVID, COVID. I'm using COVID because that seems to be like the big thing today. And it's not that I'm afraid of it and I don't want to, you know, diminish anybody's feelings because they're their feelings. But when you spend so much time and energy focused on it, then when it comes back and you end up with it, you act like, oh my God, how did I get this? Well, you've been talking about it. You've been putting it out there. So you're, it's going to come back to you. And that's the law of attraction. Yeah. A part, part of the law of attraction, I should say. Yeah, part of that. And I think that also what you said, I, I'm a big believer. I talk a lot about practical magic and I feel like that's exactly what you, when you were saying like you do the logical action steps and like you wash your hands or you, you know, abide by, you know, you keep yourself clean. You don't share drinks with people that you don't know or, or anything like that. Right. So you, you do the logical earthly stuff. Right? right. And, but then you also don't live in fear. Right. So it's like the same thing. If you want to, I don't know, if you're trying to work out, let's say, right. Or you're trying to like, you know, up, upgrade your body or something in that way. Right. So mm -hmm. you going to the gym, you're eating healthy, but then you can't walk around being like, Oh, I'm so scared that like my body's never going to be fit or whatever. Right. I don't know. Silly example, but <laughs> I can't drop the weight. I can't drop the weight. Yeah. The weight's not coming off. Well, then something's going on. So again, that's when you check your hormones, you check your thyroid, make sure it's not an actual physical something that's keeping you from doing that. And if it isn't, then you need to look at, okay, where are your thoughts? What are your, where are your actions? Where are you focusing your attention? It makes a difference. So how do you help? I know you're intuitive, an intuitive life coach to uh, your clients. How do you help them when they get stuck in one of those fear-based rackets around something? What's your kind of like go-to to be like, you know, Sally comes to you and she's totally, you can see that she's like creating her own self-fulfilling prophecy and things are not going well and she's doing all the logical earthly stuff, but it's still not going well. What's your plan of attack for her? I think depending upon what's going, I mean, what's really going on, because everything is so personalized. And, and I know you, you're using this as an example, but I, I want to just be really clear that it can't be clear cut because I need to be able to get into the energy and see what's going on. And then I could talk about what I'm receiving and is that what you're, what's going on with you? You know, I need to, it's, you know, people look at healers like, okay, fix me. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. We're partners. You know, I have the tools, but you have to do your homework too. You have to do your piece of it and not just accept, expect that somebody else is going to just snap their fingers like bewitched, which is no time, sure. <laughs> you know, and boom, practical magic, magic happens, boom, they're fixed. No, they've got, because they've, you're not going to learn if you don't do your work. So um, in the case that you just mentioned, I might depending upon what I'm feeling, what I'm getting, I would talk to her about it. And then, you know, there might be journaling involved, you know, sometimes journaling and getting your emotions out of your body onto a paper is really cathartic. Whether you read it afterwards, you just burn it. It's very cathartic depending upon what's going on. Um, or maybe they make their list. I call it the yin and yang list. You know, make the list of positive, make the list of negatives. And, you know, but do, let's say do the negative first and then put the positive behind it. And that's the way I would do that. And know that there's a positive to what's going on to your negative. 
and you can shift your focus to the positive. You know, it, it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't need to be painful or difficult, but you also need to do the work and pay attention to see where, you know, where your life's shifts are. Yeah. I, I took this class about the male and female dynamic, which talks about the male and female balance within each and every one of us. And there was an exercise about big things that happen. You know, you write how old you were. And I saw how my masculine led my life until I stepped down this path. And then I saw where the feminine and the balance came in, where I stopped having the, the need to control, achieve, conquer, you know, push forward to get this level of success and, and move and move and move. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm balanced. It's like, this feels pretty darn good. You know, and I, and I saw when it happened and I said, that is, that's exactly when it happened. But you know, when I was going through the steps, you, you couldn't see the epiphany, but then when you were done with the, the whole exercise, you pulled back, it was like, whoa, this is amazing. And so this is what I'm talking about with, you know, having to pull back and really look in a detached way. And the other thing I'm going to say is, if you look at your situations in a more detached way, in a more neutral way, which sometimes it's very hard when you're emotionally involved, and I know that personally, but it's an exercise in trying to pull away and looking like you're watching a movie that you've seen over and over again and you see different nuances, well, this also happens when you look at your life and you mm. look at what's going on through some of these exercises. Yeah, it's giving you that like kind of mountaintop perspective on it. Exactly. Or for us, often I always say, I look at it like I'm the client, like how I'd look at it if I'm the client, you know? And then it just gives you that same perspective where it's like an unattached, but a loving, you know, guiding perspective. Um, that that's yeah there's so much in there and i totally agree with you it's such an individualized path and it's that's why sometimes it's hard i try my best you know um on the podcast to just kind of give people you know i the way i think about this is that the people that are listening right now that there's something that we said here that hopefully was like a, a click for them with something like oh i'm gonna grab that and run with that even if it was just one quote or one little thing you mentioned of being like, oh, actually, I want to learn more about that, or I want to go down that pathway. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what people can expect in your book um, and, and who the book is for? <laughs> the book is for everyone. It truly is. Because we've, you know, my story is mine, but my story isn't unusual to other people. And I'm talking about in parallels. So you may not walk in my shoes, but look, I grew up in a dysfunctional home with a lot of abandonment and neglect um, because my parents were so worried about what was going on with them that they forgot to worry about their children and care about doing things with and for them. Um, and so it talks about my journey, but I also in the back of the book, I'm going to hold it up. I've got all these little tags on it. So I don't think you can see it with the background. You got to put sorry. it in front of your face to see it with the background. There, there we go. go. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Oh, it's That's moving. Like, <laughs> Come on, it's like Harry Potter. It's like it's you put the cloak right of invisibility on you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'm trying to get the, like the, hey, wait, wait, wait. I'm almost there. Well, anyway, <laughs> it's, I've got, I've got like, 
14 or 15 techniques in here that I used to help me release repressed anger. I was a queen repressor. I repressed everything. I still gone with the wind when I was very young. And I thought what Scarlett O'Hara did was absolutely brilliant. I'll fiddly D, I'll worry about it tomorrow. Push down, push down, push down. Well, at some point, if you think of it as a soda bottle with a lot of carbonation, at some point that pops, that top is going to pop right off and it's going to regurgitate all over your life, which happened to me. And, um, but we need to get, we need to learn to release these emotions because they're really toxic. They hurt us. They hurt our physical, you know, physical health, mental, emotional, spiritual. And so there are techniques to getting that out. There's techniques on forgiveness because truly until you learn how to forgive others and even more importantly, forgive yourself. Um, we, we are so hard on ourselves. We are truly, truly brutal as humans. Um, we wouldn't talk to anybody the way we talk to ourselves. You know, that self-talk that just, uh, so there are techniques on how to release that and how to do forgive, forgive somebody else, forgive yourself. Because once you can do that and let it go, you're just in, in it's, it's so cathartic. Then it's learning how to accept yourself. As I like to say, warts, wrinkles and all. Because, you know, when we look in the mirror, where do we, where do we go right straight to? The area of our body or face that we don't like the most. And then we sort of just get hyper-focused on it. Well, let's learn to accept it because it's a part of us and there's duality for a reason. And then ultimately walking into self-love. And, you know, it's a process and it's a continuous process because just because you hit self-love once, you need to work to stay there. You need to still keep doing all the exercises because just like somebody who's fit and trim and, and sculpted, if they stop working out and they start eating lots of simple comp or simple carbs and sugar and drinking whatever, guess what? That sculpting is going to go away. So you need to really keep it up to stay in that place. But when you're there, you're so, you feel so amazing and so happy and joyful. And things that might have set you off a long time ago when you were wounded, like more fully wounded, will not bother you and you'll be able to pull yourself back and look at things with more neutrality. Yes. I love so, that. I feel like that's one of the big, that's one of the big markers of progress, right? Is when a situation yes. that, you know, a couple of years ago would have just sent you off the rails or sent you into, you know, some sort of emotional reaction, you can just kind of, okay. You know, and like, just kind of be yes. neutral amidst it. That's, and I love your analogy about the working out. I think that's so important. I think so So often people come to the spiritual journey or the self-love journey and they want it to be this thing that they can, you know, like 30 days of this and I'm going to love myself, you know? Right. And I remember that was my first meditation I ever did. I ever did was like a 40-day self-love kundalini thing or whatever and I remember going to my teacher after the 40 days and being like I don't think it worked <laughs> and just being so naive um you know to the fact that it's true this is it's a muscle that we constantly work out and just like if we don't work out our physical body you know if you don't use it you lose it or whatever that little cat phrase right. is you say it it's the same thing with our spiritual, you know, because we have so much 
the forces of the world, the forces of maybe our past lives or our wounding or whatever, there's so much that's kind of like pulling us right in the other direction that we do need to keep our muscles strong to to stay connected and to be in that space of self-love. True. And let's look at it this way. For people who are on the spiritual path, they're not new souls. They've been they've been around a time or two. So in, you know, in the many reincarnations you have, you collect the wounds. I mean, the same again, as I mentioned earlier in the show, you know, your life will be similar until you get it. And once you start getting it, you get it faster each lifetime until th those issues are done and you go to another lifetime where there are different issues you need to work through. And then, you know, you work through it faster and faster and faster. And that's when you really get the golden ticket of life, um, spiritually and physically. Um, when you can know that you're working on a lot of things and be gentle on yourself, be kind to yourself because you have lived a lot of lifetimes. And until we learn our lessons, we keep having to relive them. And that's why we do it. So an alcoholic who's still an alcoholic in this lifetime, most likely had many lifetimes of being an alcoholic. And they now, you know, when they go to AA and they get sober, well, guess what? Check. It's off the list. Now, my next lifetime, that's going to be off the list. I might have another challenge or wound to deal with, but that one's gone. And that's a, that's a really easy analogy to share. Yeah. And that that is huge, right? And that that's progress. And that I think we do come, we come with like a buffet of maybe wounds <laughs> and challenges and stuff, right? And I think it's really important, especially when you're doing this work, to acknowledge that, right? To be like, if you like with the alcoholic, right? That's just, yeah. you can be in the cel the celebration of your sobriety, right? As much as right. you're th then thinking about like your mother wound or thinking about whatever, you know, whatever else is going. It's like, you know, sometimes we, I think, can skip right past that, right? Because we can just be like, okay, well that's done. Okay, what's the next? I have this to do. Right. And it's like, we also need to acknowledge that, you know, we are doing, if, you know, if you're on this journey and you're doing the work and you're, you know, taking it step by step, every victory is a victory. Right. And, and by honoring those victories, it gives us more momentum. Right. I think people, um, you know, sober, sober alcoholics, um, I have a lot, I know a lot of sober alcoholics that are so inspiring because mm -hmm. when they were able to conquer that, that pattern in their life, they realized just how much else they could conquer, right? They could, they, you know, that's, and that's like with anything, when you right. heal like some sort of wound or some sort of challenge and you actually acknowledge that. And I love you saying it in that way of being like, you're not going to have it in the next life now. So you actually are right. clearing it. Even if there are three other, four other, five other things, you know, like you cleared a big Go one on. and that's good too. <laughs> And I want to bring up, because spirit keeps is pushing me to talk no. about suicide. Okay. And the same thing happens. So if you, you know, at the point of taking your life, um, here's the thing, that's, that's a, a free will act. And if you, if you choose to try to shortcut your way out by taking your life so you don't have to deal with what's in front of you, you will come back in a future life having to deal with issues that will make you want to take your life. Here's the thing, when you are at that place and you make a conscious choice that, you know what, 
as depressed as I am, I'm not taking my life. I know that I can get to a better place and you work for it or you trust or have faith that you're going to get to a better place and you don't take your life. You've just cleaned that cycle of mm. suicide in this lifetime. And so moving forward, that's one issue you're not going to have to be faced with again. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, so the spirit was like tapping me going, you need to talk about it. <laughs> Good. Well, I hope, I hope someone needed to hear that um, because I'm sure someone did um, because that is so important to know what, you know, with, and, and whether you're at the point of suicide or you're just in a really dark place. Um, I think it, it is that knowing that like, okay, if I can traverse the darkness and make it out to the other side here and do whatever I need to do to keep afloat and, and move through it and get there, um, that you will get through it. You know, if that's your commitment, you will get through it. And then also, you know, you get to live your next incarnation and probably the rest of this life, right? Having overcome that, that challenge, which is just the greatest gift, right? Absolutely. And you also know that you have a choice on how you can move forward in the life. I like to say, wake up each day like you're, like you're an artist with a blank canvas. You have the ability to make the day as beautiful as you want it to be, as beautiful as you want that painting to be. You know, nobody else can take that away from you. You can allow them to project, you know, their projections to affect you but you've allowed them to affect you. And I know it sounds easier said than done, but I've everything I'm talking about, I've lived through, I've done. Well, I haven't committed suicide and I haven't been an alcoholic, but I'm talking about the dark moments where you think about it. I've thought about it. I thought about, well, you know, maybe I'm better off not being here, but I stuck it through it. And, you know, many, many, many years later, you know, I'm, I'm living my best life and I'm so grateful to be able to share that with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. I mean, that's such a beautiful thing. We can end on that note of really just, I love that waking up to every day and realizing, you know, I have my main program that I teach is called divinely design your life, which is kind <laughs> of a similar, uh, I feel like energy to that. But I think it's so important to think about, oftentimes we think about divinely designing our life or being the artist in a big way, right? And right. like the overall picture, but actually, you know, and then we forget about the day-to-day -day and we just like get through the day-to-day, -day, you know? And it's like, no, like today, today is a choice and you get to decide how you're going to experience everything today and you get to decide, you know, how you're going to, you know, we have so much power to of the energy that we bring to everything in our day. I love that. And remember, choices have power. You know, and we make as adults, we make over thirty-three thousand choices consciously and unconsciously a day. So that those are a lot of choices. You know, whether to get up on the right side of the bed or the wrong side of the bed, whether to floss our teeth or just brush them or water pick them, whatever it might be. Those are all choices. And those are just tiny little things. What you're going to eat. Do you have coffee? Do you have tea? Do you don't have ether? I mean, those are all choices. And when you think about them adding up to it, it goes into what you're saying. We have a choice on what we, 
how we want our life, our day, our, our hour to be. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, thank you so much for being Thanks, with Cassandra. us. Is there any Thanks. final parting words you want to say that's coming through before? Well, if anybody wants to find me, I'm at Marla Goldberg and Goldberg has two R's.com. You can see what I do, how I work with my clients, my learn about my, uh, my writing. Um, and let's see if we can work together and I can help you as well. Absolutely. And I will put all those links below so you can check out all of Marla's social media, her website, you can book a session with her, you can grab her book if you're curious about that. And that'll all be just if you click the notes section below this podcast, it'll all be right there. So thank you so much, Marla. It was a pleasure chatting thank with you. Thank you, Cassandra. Appreciate it.